you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. If you don't, don't worry about it. It'll be here on the screen, uh, Luke chapter 2. And Christmas is really exciting in my house because I've got a six-year-old, three-year-old, now a one-year-old. So we start talking about Christmas around July. Like, seriously, my kids, is it Christmas time? Is it Christmas yet? When is Christmas? When is it going to be Christmas? When are we going to put up the tree? When are we going to put it? That's what I hear over and over and over again. And with all the commercials on TV and movies and, and songs, by the time Christmas Eve rolls around, my house is just exploding with anticipation for Christmas Day. When you're a kid, waiting is hard. But you know what? We're not really much better as adults. We may not get impatient about the newest toy. We may not ask the same questions over and over again out loud. But we still struggle with waiting. We wait on a prayer to be answered or a relationship to be mended. Or something we've hoped for a long time to finally happen. And as time goes on, it's easy for our waiting to turn to weariness. Maybe that's how some of you would describe yourself right now, even on Christmas Eve. When it comes to life, you feel weary, tired, beat down. And we know how to fake it during the holiday season. We know to eat the food and sing the songs and smile for the pictures. But deep down, we're tired of waiting, tired of feeling weary, tired of being tired. If that's how you feel today, or every day, I want you to know that you're actually in a better position to understand the Christmas message than anyone else. In fact, your situation is much closer to the people at the very first Christmas than the person who has no problems at all and has it all together. So often when we picture the, the nativity scene with Mary and Joseph or think about the shepherds out in the field or even baby Jesus in the manger, we, we often have this picture of everyone being so calm and peaceful. They have this faint glow and soft smile and little halos around their head. And things just couldn't be more picture perfect. But if you read the actual story and consider the actual historical context, then you know that couldn't be further from the truth. If we were to go back in time and visit the real characters and the real story of Christmas in the first century A.D. in the little town of Bethlehem, I think one way we would describe them would be weary. Think about it. The Israelites, the nation of people, the Old Testament follows, they found their origin in a man named Abraham who was a weary man. Abraham and his wife Sarah were childless in a culture where passing on your heritage was everything. It's one of the most difficult things a couple can face. But Abraham received a promise from God that he was going to be the father of a great nation. And that through him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. But Abraham chose to believe God, but boy, he had a hard time waiting. Abraham received that promise somewhere around 2000 B.C. And he waited 25 years years before it came true he and sarah did in fact have a promised child and this began a growing anticipation a longing for god to fulfill his promises to his people each successive generation received that same promise and over time it began to take shape how would god bless his people and then bless the world he would do it by sending someone to save them and that someone would be a king and a mighty ruler 
So you can imagine any time a leader came on the scene for the Israelite people, they asked the question, is this the guy? Is this the person? Is it time? Is the wait finally over? Moses came along, great guy, great leader, but he wasn't the guy. David came along, great leader, but he wasn't the guy. Prophets came along, but they weren't the guys. All along, this promise continued to grow. They said, one day, one day, God is going to send his Messiah, which meant Savior, and he's going to save his people. He's going to come. Just be patient. Hope is coming. But 2,000 years went by, and God's people found themselves in worse and worse and worse circumstances. And the waiting became weariness. By the time you get to the opening of Luke's gospel account in the New Testament, God's people are living under oppressive Roman rule. Things were not at all what they thought they would be, and there hadn't been a prophet in Israel for 400 years. It seemed that God had gone silent, and the people were weary. So you can imagine when an angel shows up and tells people, it's time, <laughs> the wait is over, the Messiah is coming. There were some skeptics. Especially when the angel says the Savior is going to come as a baby. And then he's born to an unknown young virgin girl in a small town called Bethlehem. And there's no room for him. So he's laid in a manger which was a feeding trough for animals. You can just imagine what the people might have been thinking. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. This is the one we've been waiting for, the, the promised one. We're looking for a king, a mighty warrior. Not a helpless baby. So when Jesus was born, there was no national celebration. There was no welcoming party. There was no golden palace for him to live in. The first people to visit Jesus were shepherds who were viewed as dirty, suspicious outsiders. It's not that most people didn't believe God had come. It's that most people didn't even notice. But there were two people, Luke tells us, who did notice. And they noticed because they were waiting in the right way. You see, there's two kinds of waiting. There's weary waiting, and then there's hopeful waiting. Weary waiting is restless, while hopeful waiting is patient. Weary waiting looks back at how long it's been, while hopeful waiting looks forward to what's been promised to come. Weary waiting complains, while hopeful waiting trusts. Weary waiting is afraid, afraid that the promise will be broken, while hopeful waiting chooses to believe no matter what. Luke chapter 2 introduces us to those two people who were waiting with hope for Jesus. Their names were Simeon and Anna. In the previous weeks of Advent, if you've been with us, we've covered the story of John the Baptist's miraculous birth, the, the miraculous birth of Jesus. We talked about the angels appearing to the shepherds and their role in all this. And now we've come to the last part of the story of Christ's birth, the part that really doesn't get a lot of press. See, according to Jewish law, parents were required to dedicate their firstborn child at the temple 40 days after birth. So Mary and Joseph went to Jerusalem, and this is where they met Simeon and Anna. Look with me at Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 26. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle, turtle doves or two young pigeons. 
Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So there's Simeon. What do we know about him? Well, not a lot, to be honest. Luke doesn't tell us where this guy came from, what he did for a living. Instead, Luke focuses on his spiritual condition. He says, this is a man who knew God. And because of that, he was waiting, he says, for the consolation of Israel. That, that word consolation, it means comfort or encouragement. This confirms what we said earlier, that this nation of people, they were weary. They felt like we often do, living in this world. They felt burdened, worn down, longing, looking, hoping for God to help them. But Simeon had not grown weary. He was waiting, waiting with hope because it had been revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. That, that's the Savior. So look what happens next, Luke 2, 27 to 35. And he came, Simeon, in the spirit, into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, opposed and a sword shall pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. It had to be a little bit weird for a random guy to just come up and say, hey, can I hold your baby for a second? But you know, it would have been even stranger to hear what Simeon was saying about this baby. Simeon, holding the baby, he says, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. This is God's salvation. Remember, he's talking here about a newborn. How can a baby be God's salvation? Again, when you think Savior, you think big and strong, mighty king, not a helpless infant. But Simeon saw who this baby really was. That this wasn't just any ordinary baby, but this is the one we've all been waiting for. Luke tells us there's one more person who felt that way, who was waiting with hope. Let's look lastly at Anna, verses 36 to 38. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So, so what do we know about Anna? Well, again, Luke doesn't tell us a whole lot. He tells us that Anna was advanced in years, but also that she had dedicated her life to the Lord. So when she sees Jesus come into the temple, she too realizes this is what she's been waiting for. She gives thanks to God, and then she begins to speak to the others who were also waiting, which tells us something important. There were a lot of other people waiting, too. People waiting for God to come. And here's what I found. There are a lot of people who are still waiting today. 
A lot of people looking, searching for meaning and purpose in life. Those who know that there's got to be more to this life than this life. There's got to be a reason that we exist. There's got to be some kind of hope and joy and peace that is real and lasting. Well, here's the good news this Christmas Eve. Just like Simeon and Anna, you can discover this truth for yourself. Here's my one and only point this morning. It's this. Jesus means the wait is over. If you remember one thing I said today, let it be this. Jesus means the wait is over. Everything you're searching for, longing for, waiting for, looking for, Jesus is the answer. He's the point. He's the reason. He's the why. You were made to have a relationship with him. And we actually have an advantage over Anna and Simeon today because we know the rest of the Jesus story. We know exactly how Jesus brought salvation to us. We know that he lived the perfect life. We know that he died on the cross for our sins in our place. And we know that he rose from the dead on the third day. And Jesus said that all who trust in him for their salvation, he will save. It's not about being a good person or becoming more religious or getting your act together. It's simply about putting your faith in him. And when we do that, he forgives us of our sins. He gives us eternal life and he gives us hope and joy and peace in the present. So listen to me this morning. I don't know where you've been, what you've been through. I don't know if today, if you're just filled with joy and hope, or if rather you feel weary, waiting on something to change. Maybe today is God's way of telling you, this is it. The wait is over. Jesus is what is missing in your life. Friend, you can trust in him today, and you can experience the new life that comes only through him if you will just pray and call on his name. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Apostle Paul, he summed it all up like this in Galatians 4. He said, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those, that's us, who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons Jesus means the wait is over that's why Christmas is a time we celebrate Jesus and his coming that's why Christmas is all about Christ and that's why on Christmas Eve we wait to light this center candle in our advent wreath this is called the Christ candle here in the middle it's a reminder to us that Jesus is the center center of the world the center of our lives and the center of our Christmas celebration Jesus said I am the light of the world and he said that whoever trusts in him will not walk in darkness but will also receive his light and so what happens is when we trust in Jesus for ourselves the light of Christ comes to live in us and then we get to spread that light into a dark world. That's what we're about to see an amazing picture of right now. Would you stand with us as we light our candles and sing?